so often that I go through times in my life where I realize that God is speaking to me and on a, on a, on a way which is kind of just bigger than who I am. And so often I find when I go through those periods, it's because God wants to tell other people as well. And as someone who gets up here every Sunday and, you know, talks and probably talks a little too long for some of you, um, I, I, I have the awesome, incredible privilege of being able to share the word of God with you and share what, what I believe that God is saying to us as a church. And over the next several weeks, I believe what, what, what I'm going to be talking about and what we'll be discussing is something that God has laid on my heart for each and every one of you. You know, I grew up in a pastor's home. And my dad, on the 1st of February this year, is going to be stepping down from, it, from his church. He served there for 25 years. I'm like, That's like a life sentence, 25 years. But he served there for 25 years. And I'll be honest, the place that he is... I would not want to pastor a church in that place. Those people are like hard nose, like serious. They do not want anything to do with God whatsoever. And so he has toiled and toiled and toiled for 25 years, and he feels it's time. He's had a few health problems. He feels it's time to, to, to let somebody else come in, and, uh, and, 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 you know, he feels it's time that the Lord's leading him on. But, you know, I grew up in this church, and this church is, is really fond in my heart. Now, this church, when we got there, there was about 250 people in this church. Now, for those of you who don't know the spiritual climate in the UK, the spiritual climate is this. If you've got a church of 250, you've got a mega church. That's, that's what it is. I mean, the majority of churches, the average church is about the size of like Generation Church in, in, in the UK. That's the way it is. So for my life, I grew up in this church, and we had a large church. There were some seasons when we went down, some seasons when we went up. Um, but we grew up in a large church considered in the UK. But it was really tough to try to reach people and, 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 and get people into church even, and, and get people connected with one another. Now, in 2005, I moved to the wonderful United States of America to a place called Springfield, Missouri. Now, why I moved to Springfield, Missouri, I'm still asking myself that question right now. That's why I'm in Maryland, because Maryland is way better than Missouri. But, uh, and if you're from Missouri, I apologize, but it really is. But I moved to Springfield, Missouri, and I went on staff at this church. This church had been started like two years prior, and they started in, a, in an old movie theater that they rented, and within two years, when I got there, they were running about 800 people, average attendance on a Sunday morning in two years. Pretty phenomenal, to be honest. I mean, the average church takes five years to get to 80 people. So this was running 800 people in two years, unheard of. So I got there, and when I got there, I really couldn't quite believe what I saw. And I don't think the people in the church could quite believe what they saw. The place was packed. I mean, every service, there were three services. Every service was packed. People were coming in. The parking lot was full. We were seeing lots of people get saved or give their lives to Jesus Christ. Uh, there, there was baptisms in the hundreds. Uh, I mean, the place was just packed to capacity. And I really thought that this church was the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, seriously. I mean, have you tried to like slice bread lately? I mean, it's not, t- not easy. But I really thought this church was the best thing since sliced bread. And I went on staff there, and we had a wonderful time. I was over the children's department 
I, do, I still don't know how I figured that one out, but yeah, it worked. And I was over the hospitality department. And for those of you in, in kids' ministries and, and hospitality ministries, I'll put it into perspective. I had a team of 40 people in my kids', in my, in my, uh, uh, kids ministry. I mean, that's pretty crazy. In my hospitality uh, ministry, we had a team of 80 people. 80, that's bigger than our church. 80 people in the hospitality ministry. It was unbelievable. And I was there for two years. And in the two years I was there, they grew from 800 to almost 2,000 people. In fact, there's like this magazine called Outreach Magazine that do uh, like the top 100 churches in the United States. This church I was at was considered the fourth fastest growing church in the United States in the last year that we were there. It was incredible. But there was something that was missing. When I first started looking out, I'd read the Bible and I'd read Acts chapter 2. And I'd see all these people. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that in one day, 3,000 people came to know the Lord and joined the church. And then after that, every day people were being added to this. And I thought that this church was this Acts 2 church. But the reality was, I realized it wasn't. And as the church grew and grew, I started reading more of the Acts, the, book, the, the church in the book of Acts. And I saw the church in the book of Acts, and I was like, are we like this church in the book of Acts? The church in the book of Acts, I, we started seeing people get radically transformed by the life of Jesus Christ. That when we read Acts, we see people that were healed. There was even people that were raised from the dead. There was communities were transformed. Homes were put back together. Parents and children got on. And ultimately, there was something that was going on in that community. That people were just so excited about Jesus Christ. And, and I'm not knocking this church that I was at because they do a lot of great things. And we did a lot of great things. I mean, their community service puts us to shame. I mean, they really reach out to people. But as I started looking at the people who were coming into our church... And I started looking at what was going on. I started realizing that people, they were making decisions for Jesus Christ, but their lives were not changing. I started looking at the community around us. And in the community around us, I started seeing that marriages that, that were breaking up were still breaking up. In the community that we were at, there was this huge meth problem. And it was growing and growing. And in the two years I was there, we as a church, we had grown and grown and grown. But yet this meth problem was getting worse and worse in the community. We started seeing, I started seeing other things. We started seeing immorality on the rise. And in the Acts church, in the very first church, the Bible tells us that the name of Jesus became famous. The name of Jesus became famous. And I started looking at the community that we were in. And I started discovering that it wasn't the name of Jesus that was becoming famous. It was the name of our church that was becoming famous. Something just didn't sit right with me. We were growing like crazy. I mean, you would walk in and think this was the best place ever. But just something was not sitting right to me. And I soon realized we'd become the best local free show in town. We were like 40 minutes from Branson, Missouri. If you've ever been to Branson, Missouri, great. If you don't, uh, it's just like 
old country singers and like lots of theaters and it's, you know, I mean, I really wouldn't like to go there again. But they have great shows and we had become like one of these shows. We had like better lights, light systems, uh, the, sound, uh, the sound and the lighting system than what they had down in the shows in Branson, which were professional shows. And I started looking and I realized that we'd become the best show. And the more and more our staff discussions in our meetings started being about how can we get more people through the doors? How can we accommodate the crowds? How can we make a better brand for ourselves? And how can we make our church so much better uh, or our services so much better that more and more people will come into the church? And this is what I realized. I realized that the church was growing. And as the church was growing, people were becoming more and more religious. Because people will show up every Sunday. But the reality was our community was going further and further and further away from God. And when I read the Acts, uh, the, the church in the book of Acts, I see that the communities were changed. And the result of that was that the churches just grew. And so, in 2007, we moved to Maryland. And I'm like, I loved it. I came here, I'm like, oh, this is the place I want to live for the rest of my life. And we came on staff at this struggling church. And the church had been through so much turmoil. And we really felt that the Lord was telling us to come on staff at this church. Uh, to help rebuild the church. And we saw the people. They were great people. And we were like, we can build this church up. We can make this church grow. grow. We had learned so many principles at that fast-growing church. We just knew we could help make this church grow. And within the first year, we did see growth. And within like two years, the church had gone from like 200 people, and that included like a Latin service, a Spanish service, to like over 500 people on a Sunday morning. I mean, the church was growing. We were seeing God do incredible things. Well, at least we thought. I discovered that our staff meetings, as we grew, started becoming more and more like the staff meetings of that other church that I was at. It was all about how can we get more people through the doors on a Sunday morning. Actually, there was another thing that we discussed as well. It was like, how can we organize the next best event? Because what we started to do, we started going from one event to another event. And every month there was like this big event that we were putting on. So there was an event for the kids, an event for the youth, uh, an event for the singles, an event for the married, an event for the hobos. I don't know, you know, I mean, events for everybody. And we started putting on event after event after event. And we became like the event church. And I'll be honest, we had a great time, but I felt more like a marketing rep than I did a pastor. And I discovered that while our show at this church wasn't as good as the church back in Missouri, because they had it down pretty good, it was still really all about the show. It was all about what we can provide to get people through the doors. And I've discovered that we live in a culture today that the better the image, the better the show, the more people will come. The better the image, the better the show, more people will come. You know, in May 2009, I'd come to a place in my life where I honestly had become very disillusioned with church. I'd been part of small churches and large churches, and I realized I'm not sure if I want to be in church anymore. 
It was just the, the rigmarole of trying to grow and grow and get more people and more people all the time. And I just became disillusioned. And when I read in the Bible and I read the church in the Bible, I just wasn't seeing in our churches. I was asking, where are the healings? Where are the lives that have been transformed? Where are the communities that are just turned upside down for Jesus Christ? And I decided that I was going to either quit the church or had this crazy idea of starting a new church. And I'll be honest, I really wanted to quit. I really wanted to quit. But I knew honestly that really wasn't what God wanted for me. And in May 2009, I felt the Lord gave me this psalm. I sat down to pray one day and I was asking God. I had a job opportunity um, with Samaritan's Purse. Um, and for those of you who don't know Samaritan's Purse, they're a great Christian organization that give uh, um, like shoe boxes um, full of stuff to uh, underprivileged kids in America and then also in Africa and Asia and things like that. And I was like, well, I can be a good Christian and not have to be involved in all this church stuff. And I was praying about it, and the Lord gave me this psalm, Psalm 92, starting at verse 10. It says, but you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies My ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. But, and this is where I really felt the Lord speak to me. But the godly will flourish like palm trees. And grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted, or the version I read at the time says, they are planted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. Or another translation says, they will remain fresh and flourishing. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. When I read that, that they shall be planted in the house of the Lord. I just knew at that point that that God wanted us to plant this church. I just knew. And from that moment on, God confirmed it and confirmed it and confirmed it. But I still really didn't understand these scriptures much. I just knew that God wanted us to start this church. And so in December of 2009, on one Wednesday morning, it was cold. It was kind of miserable. I went for a long walk to pray. i just come on staff at, at the church I was at. And I knew that we'd be starting this church. And so I just started to pray. And I went to one of my favorite places in Hartford County. And it's called the King and Queen Seat in Rock State Park. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. But if you haven't, it's, it's a great place. It's like on this hill and then these, like, these big rocks where the Indians used to have like, their tribal meetings um, meet. And I walked up there and, and I parked on the road. And I walked up like this tree-filled uh, steep slope. And I was a little out of shape. So... I was kind of out of breath by the time I got to the top. And as I got to the top, I stood on these rocks. And I just looked out and I started to pray. And as I started to pray, I saw, for as far as I could see, trees were everywhere. I mean, trees were everywhere. This was like the most unspoiled place in Harper County. I mean, man is not spoiled. It was like pure nature. And there were trees everywhere. This place was magnificent. And you would have thought it was full of life, full of vitality. 
It was flourishing because there were trees absolutely everywhere. However, there was one problem. It was December. It was cold. It was windy. And as I looked out on the trees, I realized those trees had no leaves on them. There were no leaves at all. This place wasn't green. It was brown. And as I looked around this place where nature was totally unspoiled, I started to notice that there was actually no life in this place that I was at. There were no animals. There were no birds. There was no fruit. All I saw, and I tried to get as close as I could to them, was this group of vultures just on the rocks, just looking and peering down. And I realized that vultures, they prey on the dead. There was no life. At first glance, this place looked beautiful. It looked grand. It looked amazing. But the reality was, it was dead. There was no life. And when I first got there, I would have never thought it. Because what happened is the wind was just swirling. And as the wind was swirling, there was just this loud noise of it swirling through the trees. And it was just echoing everywhere. And there was this noise and it felt like there was life, but there was no life. And as I sat on those rocks that day, I felt the Lord whisper to me to open my Bible. And as I opened it, it fell to Psalm 92. I hadn't read this for a long time. It kind of forgotten a little about the psalm. And it fell to Psalm 92. And as I started reading it, as I started to read these scriptures, and started to hear where it's saying, uh, the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted in the Lord's own house. They will flourish in the courts of our, of our God. Then as I read, even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. As I read that, I really felt the Lord just whisper into my heart. And this is what I felt the Lord did. I wrote it down because I forget a lot. I felt the Lord say this. These trees that you see are like the people in the churches that you've been in. There are lots of them. They make lots of noise. They look impressive. But they are not green. In fact, they are brown. They are not producing life because they are spiritually dead. Life cannot exist in their midst because there is no fruit to eat. Then I felt the Lord say this. You must begin a seed in this community that will produce life. A seed that will become green and eventually will flourish. You know, this past week I was talking uh, with a guy on Skype, and he's somebody who's starting a church down in Hampton, Virginia, and he wanted just to pick my brain a little about church planting and and churches. And we talked for a little bit. We talked about the good things and the bad things and uh, the things I would do again, the things I definitely wouldn't do again. And at the end, he turned to me and he said, he said, Alex, he says, I just want to thank you for leading the way. He says, I want to thank you for not looking at all the other things that you should and shouldn't do, but just trusting in God and leading the way. He says, because you've trampled down a path that people like me can walk behind. And I heard that, and I just wanted to cry. I wanted to cry, and this is why. 
Because I'm just coming through a season in my own life that's been full of a lot of personal pain. On the outside, to, to some of you, I, you know, I may have been cheery old Alex, you know, and you may have not noticed. But there's been a lot of great turmoil in my life. I can't explain what happened, but this great sadness had come over me. It's almost like this great depression had come over me. And I've spoken to some of you guys, and I know that you guys, have some, some of you have just been through some dark times. I was going through a dark, dark time. I had this huge feeling on me and self-doubt. And life was just becoming increasingly hard. Everything was just becoming hard in life. I just didn't want to get up in the morning because life was just becoming hard. And I wondered what it all meant. And when I go through seasons like this, I start to evaluate myself and think, well, what does it mean? What is God trying to tell me? And I started asking these questions. Was it time for like, me to step down from the church? Was it time for me to, 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 to give over the reins to somebody else? I started asking myself, am I like out of God's will? Why am I feeling like this? I shouldn't be feeling like this. So I did a lot of self-evaluation for the last six months. But this is what I've discovered. I've discovered that when you go through times of pain and times of hurt, when you go through times of sadness and times of brokenness, That is the time when you start to begin to understand that you don't have all the answers to life. It's only through that brokenness and that hurt that you start to understand that Jesus Christ is the one with the answers. I'm not the one with the answers. He's the one with the answers. And I started discovering, I started doing all this self-evaluation, that I started to realize I was becoming that pastor that I swore I would never become. I started becoming like paranoid about things. Like people would leave the church and, or, you know, or, or this person was saying this about us or that. And I became paranoid. I swore I was like, I'll never become that paranoid pastor. And I started finding myself becoming paranoid. I started to realize that I was a pastor who really cared more about gathering people than sending people. And when I read the Bible, it's all about sending people. I started to realize that I'd become that pastor who really, at times, cared more about growing the church than about really being a light in a hurting and dark community. You know, I was reading books on becoming a better leader, reading books on becoming a better pastor. I read books, listened to podcasts and seminars of how to grow a church. And really, there was times I was thinking more about forming the structure of this church, making sure we had things in place, than I was actually being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ extended. And when I discovered this out, I was broken. Broken. I wasn't broken for a day. I wasn't broken for a week. I was broken for months. Broken for months. And I stand before you today. And and I can honestly say that I'm a broken man. I'm a broken man. Broken for two reasons. Broken because first I realized that I've led you as a church on a path that we planted this church to avoid. But I've also realized I'm broken because I've come to the conclusion I am nothing in front of the almighty God. 
nothing. My gifts and my talents are nothing in front of the almighty God. And firstly this morning, before we continue, I want to ask you as a church, and I'm just being very open and transparent, and you may be in here today like, whoa, I've never heard a pastor be like this before. I just want to be open and transparent with you because we're a family, we're a body. I want to firstly ask you this morning to forgive me. Forgive me as a church. Because I've realized that there's been times that I've put Generation Church before the Christ of the church. There's been times that I've thought about, and I came to the conclusion a couple of weeks ago, I realized I was thinking more about Generation Church than I was about Christ. And if that's the case, then Generation Church was becoming an idol in my life, and I had to sort it out. So I want to ask you as a church to forgive me. I want to ask you also to forgive me because there's been times that I've looked to human success instead of following the mandate and the calling that God has given me. And that is that we would be a seed in this community. You know, as I was doing all this, the Lord gave me two scriptures. And these have been so dear to me. The first one is found in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Samuel heard from God, and this is what God said to Samuel. What is more pleasing to the Lord. He asked himself a question. He asked a, a question, what is more pleasing to the Lord? So there's the question. Then number A, or number one, your burnt offerings and sacrifices, are they pleasing to the Lord? Or number two, B, or your obedience to his voice. So there's a question, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Is it your sacrifices or is it obedience to God? And then it says this, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. And I discovered I had made a lot of sacrifices unto the Lord. I mean, starting a church is a big sacrifice. You know, putting on a service every week is a sacrifice. You know, there's just been sacrifices that we've made. And I came to the conclusion, I've made a lot of sacrifices, but ultimately God wants me to hear his voice. And I say the same for you as well. God wants you to obey his voice. And then the second verse. And this is always hard for me to read this one. It's found in Psalm chapter 51, verse 17. King David wrote this psalm unto God and he said this. I'm going to start at verse 16. It says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want to burn to offer it. And then in verse 17, it says this, the sacrifice, God, that you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. And I came to the place where I realized in my life, I was broken, and that was exactly where God wanted me. I had pain, and that is exactly where God had wanted me. Because God desires a broken spirit. 
Why? Because the Bible says that he is the potter and we are the clay. And when we are broken, he can come and mold us and shape us into the people that he wants us to be. And you may be in a place today where you feel that you are broken, you are down, you are out. That is the place that God desires because he desires a broken spirit. Because then he can mold it and shape it and transform you into the person that you were designed and purposed to be. You know, during my time of self-evaluation, I've asked myself this question. And I pray I will never stop asking myself this question. Am I flourishing? Am I flourishing? Or am I just a dead tree like I saw up in Rock State Park? A tree that was just sleeping and the wind was just going through it, making a whole lot of noise, but not producing fruit. Or am I a tree that produces fruit which will feed others and give life to others? Are my branches that I have, are they extending out and giving life to other people? Or is it just an empty show to attract others? And I ask you the same question today. Are you flourishing? Are you flourishing? Or are you empty? Are you giving out life to others? Or in you desperate need for life? You know, this series that, that, that we've just started today, and we'll go into a lot more detail of, of, of I, what I believe that God wants us as a church to become. We, st- we entitled this series, Awakening. The reason we start, I've entitled this series Awakening is back four months after that event there at Rock State Park, I went back. And at this time, I took my wife. And that was even more of a tri- trip trying to get her up that hill. I'm like, don't wear your high heels, honey, you know? <laughs> I took her. But it was totally different this time because this time it was April. Well, I should say five months, right? December, yeah, April. This place, it was totally different. The vultures had gone, thankfully. You couldn't hear the empty sound of the wind just going rustling through the trees. But you heard the sounds of life. There were people everywhere. And seriously, there were people everywhere. There were birds everywhere. There were squirrels. There were chipmunks. There were rabbits. The place was green, and you know what? The place was flourishing. It was flourishing. And I heard in that moment, in all that noise and that life that was going on, I just felt the Lord whisper to me. This is what I felt him say. This is what I desire for my church. I felt God say, follow me, obey me, and see the spring season of the lives of the people in this community. A couple of weeks ago, I just started opening up all the words that God had given me when we first started planting the church. And I realized that God has told us to be a seed in this community. A seed that will one day grow to produce fruit and give life to other people. And the reason that we call it I'm calling this awakening. It's because I realized that the trees and the animals and the fruit, when I was there in December, they had been asleep. 
But now in, in, in April, they had awakened from their sleep. And the things that once looked dead had now been revived. And I ask you today, are you dead? Or are you alive? When I say dead, I don't mean, what is it, on cool runnings where, where the bobsleigh goes over and the guy goes, are you dead? Yeah, man, I'm dead. Not that kind of dead. Are you spiritually dead? Are you spiritually dead? Do, let me ask you a few questions today. Do you feel God? Do you hear God? Do you sense God? Are you thinking about the things of God more than the other things that are going on in your life? Are you thriving for God? Are people constantly amazed at the aura that is around you because there is something different about you? Are you producing spiritual fruit? Are you growing in your love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, and self-control? Are you growing in those areas? Are others in your life that come into contact, are they finding spiritual life because of you? And I've come to the conclusion. If you answer, can answer no to those, which I came to the conclusion that I answered no to most of those, then you need a spiritual revival in your life. And when I said the word revival, some of you have got the, like, these preconceived ideas, like these big tent meetings, or some crazy guy with some crazy hair comes into town for a week and has these healing services and then has some revival services and goes. Or some of you may think, you know, services where people like fuck like chickens and go crazy and stuff like that. I mean, that isn't the revival I'm talking about. The definition of a spiritual revival is when God resuscitates the life into his church. And his church rise and start to produce life again. And I ask you today, do you need that personal revival in your life? Do you need God to resuscitate you and breathe the very life of Christ in you? That you will rise and produce fruit once again. The reality is that shows and events, and crowds. They never changed anybody's life. Yes, someone may say, I went to a YouTube concert, and it changed my life. But the reality is, is those things don't change your lives. It is only Christ who can change someone's life. And you know, I've come to the conclusion, if people are not coming into our community, our church community, and meeting Christ, and finding life in Christ. It's not because Christ doesn't want to give them life. It's not because Christ doesn't want to meet those people. And I ask you the question today. When you come in to our services. When you meet with one another throughout the week. Are you sensing Christ? Are you sensing Jesus Christ? If you're not. Then we need revival. We need to personally revive our lives and let the Spirit of God awaken us from our sleep. Maybe the thing I'm asking you today is, are we pushing Christ out of our lives? Are we pushing Christ out of our lives? You know, a church that has life is a church where Christ is in the midst. A church without Christ 
is a dead church. So close today. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Verses 1. I ask you, are you this church? Are you this church? Jesus, through a vision, told the Apostle John to write this. And he says, write this to the pastor of the church in Sardis, which is a city in a place called Asia Minor, which was a region like modern-day Turkey. So there was this church in this city, and it says, this is the message from the one who has a sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I'll basically translate that. That's Jesus saying, this is a message from me. He says this, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive. But you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains. For even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. When you first met me. Hold on to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some of you in the church inside us who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in, uh, in white for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. They will, I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Then he says this, anyone with ears to hear. So if you can hear what God is saying, if you can hear this today, anyone with ears to hear must listen to what the Spirit, to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. And this is what God is saying to the churches. Awake. Awake. Arise. You know, I came to the conclusion that I needed revival in my life. I needed revival in my life. And I'm probably like about three weeks into just getting on my knees before God and saying, God, just do something within me. I, I did an evaluation. And Rich and Paige, if you could just hand these out to everybody. It's a book. It's called Draw a Circle whole premise behind your circle is don't look at others. Draw a circle around you and start evaluating your own life. I started to do this exercise. And it's basically a guide for seeking personal revival in, in, in your life. And I sat down one day and I spent about two hours doing this. And I'll be honest, I just wept. I wept. I mean, English guys don't cry. We don't cry. But I wept. Because I realized my need for God. And what this is all about, this is all about just basically evaluating your life, your spiritual life. There's some scriptures that you can read. There's some questions in there. And the question is, do you need a personal revival in your life? Do you need the resuscitating breath of God to breathe life back into you? And as you go through this, and I'm going to ask, and this is like a private thing. I asked some of the guys already to, to, to do it, and it's a private thing. But as you go through this, ask yourself this question. 
do I need a personal revival in my life? Do I need God to awaken me to the things of God? So this week, so there's like, I think, six sections. You can take one section at a time, just go through it. Maybe like 20 minutes each section. But go through it and ask yourself that question. And I guarantee the majority of us here today will finish doing this and realize, wow, I'm actually further away from God than what I think I am. What I've given you today is, it's not an easy message. It's not easy to just open myself up to you like that. But I realize that if I'm feeling like this, then I guarantee that you guys are feeling like it as well. And God has just given me this overwhelming sense that this church, and what I mean by this church, the people in this church are going to be a seed in this community that's going to start to sprout up and give life to this community. This community that is dying because they don't know Jesus Christ. And you're going to be a seed. Let's pray.